0: So I think that like when I was at my lowest point in my own heart and mind, I was also at my lowest point in the fucking business and I was watching it crumble and I thought I was doing things that were like, oh, this will help. And I was kind of haphazardly doing them, but I wasn't doing the work on myself. So
1: therefore the business was struggling because I couldn't ask for that help. That was a clip from today's guest, Chris Hamill. Chris is the owner of Town Barber and co-owner of Major Treat in Toronto. After spending years traveling and working on the road with bands, he was searching for a career that would combine the satisfaction of helping people and the joy of sleeping in his own bed. Uh, This is a great conversation and Chris is an even better friend. What I love about this discussion is his openness. And of course, we're gonna hear about all the cool stuff of being an entrepreneur and opening your business and the challenges. And Chris is also very open around the struggles that he has faced, uh, you know, both in starting a business, but also around his mental health, which I think is such an important conversation. Along those lines, I do wanna say, if you're someone who's ready for that conversation and you're very interested in hearing someone's uh, story, Awesome. This is an incredible conversation for you. If, for whatever reason, you're a bit sensitive to those topics, then absolutely this might want to be an episode that you digest in chunks or come back to it another time. My suggestion is this this is an incredibly important conversation, and Chris speaks about it in such an amazing and genuine way. So I think there's a lot of value in checking it out. It's up to you. I'm Aram Arslanian, and this is One Step Beyond. All right, everyone. Welcome back. And Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right. For the uninitiated people who wouldn't know, who are you and what do you do?
0: Uh, my name is Chris Hamill. I have uh, a couple of barber shops called Town Barber in Toronto and a couple of coffee shops uh, that I'm, I
1: partner with uh, my friend Martin and they're called Major Treat Coffee. Okay. These are uh, um, gentlemanly pursuits that you're in, haircuts and coffee.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Community-based pursuits. Let's oh. call it. I think. I think they're I think it, the the idea was just to create places that I wanted to hang out and I felt comfortable hanging out after spending a long time on the road. Those were kind of things that I would always seek out, and I fell into barbering, and that made sense. And then coffee was always something that was, you know, a a, a thought in the back of my mind. Like I, I think I did a a high school presentation where I was I made a business plan for a coffee shop record shop, mm-hmm. which is funny because now we've partnered with a record shop in our newest coffee shop. So it it exists. I just don't own the whole thing and probably for the better, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, often like people in the punk and hardcore world, if they don't have like a, like a career career and they're not going to do music or something music related, it seems that like a lot of people focus on either barbering or the coffee industry. Hundred percent.
0: And I think that they're both, neither are easy to learn, but they're both fairly accessible and fairly, you know, you can, dress how you want to dress for the most part um you can you can kind of look a little weird like i i mean i'm sure i would have probably ended up being a tattooer if i could draw properly but yeah. it was like similar lifestyles you know and i and i think that like what appealed to me about about both where was the social aspect as well as the community aspect as well as like being able to kind of leave work at work for the most part i mean outside of owning the business i think as i was learning both Both of those things. I mean, I'm just picking up coffee now as a skill, but like keeping those those things at work was
1: was a lot easier before owning the business, you know? Yeah. So let's get into it very specifically about that idea of being able to leave things at home. Mm -hmm. Because if you work somewhere and you have like a decent, you know, decent boss or a decent culture, you can work and then leave it at home very often. What about being a business owner? You're never you're never away
0: from it. Like I I I've tried to like set those boundaries um i try to say like absolutely no work calls or work anything on mondays mondays my my day like family day or wh- whatever like i i just make it like you know and and i i'm still fielding one or two questions and not everybody in the in the company always knows that that's a thing and i might get a um an email like hey i need a letter of reference or whatever and so you're always kind of like you're always present you're always you know i've i've since moved out of the city so it's kind of been a little better for creating a divide between work and home life, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was looking at buying the building that my Dundas street shop is in. And I think about it now, cause I was going to live upstairs. And I was like, man, that would have been the worst. I would have oh always God. been at work. And, and at the time I was like, Oh, I can always be at work. Yeah. Like that was what I was striving to do. And now it's like, I like having the division. I like having the, the separation because I often find that I'm like, you know, I might not be at work, you know, nine to five every day, I'm sometimes there nine to nine or or like later after it closes I gotta repair something. So it's it's a little easier to like create a divide
1: if, if you if you really make it, but you're never fully away from it for sure. So very often when I'm working with people, there's like kind of the stories of people who sought out being a leader mm-hmm. and not that they're like, Oh, I want to be a leader, but they're yeah. like, Oh, you know, I, I want to like go up in an organization or I want to own a business that has people that do this stuff. So their intent is to work somewhere and be in a, in a position that allows them to have that experience right. or create something where they have employees. Yeah. And then other people just kind of fall ass backwards into it. Like I never intended to do this, yeah. but now I find myself as being a leader. Yeah. Which of those are you?
0: Kind of a combination of both really. Like I, I think that like I, it's funny. I worked for somebody else in barbering. I was, I, I worked at another shop and when I was fired, my friend, uh, my friend Glennie said to me, like, you're probably going to be a great boss cause you were probably a really shitty employee. And I was like, what? like, <laughs> what? what is that supposed to mean? And I was like, I, at first I was like kind of bummed. And then I really like looked at what she was talking about and, and saying that like, I understand the way, the way it is from that perspective. And I don't take like, I don't, take well to leadership in Mm -hmm. a lot of cases like I don't I don't um I don't always do what I'm told and so I'm I'm I kind of find my way around it and I've got employees like that too that I really admire that about them but I think that some people just can't they're they're better leaders than 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 followers and I think that like I I don't think that all employees are followers per se but Mm -hmm. I think that like um I fell into a situation where I recognized that it might not be a good a good thing for me to have a boss because we'd be butting heads or you know relationships get you know changed we'll call it
1: you know dude, that is hilarious that you say that because do you mind if I share something? No, up? I love that. I love that. Like my 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 last job mm-hmm. uh, is like my what I believe will be my last boss. I just couldn't stand this dude. Mm-hmm. For worst, like yeah. just couldn't stand him. But every single year that I go by that I'm running cadence, I'm like, oh okay, that guy still sucks. But this is why he did that or this is why that you learned from it i've totally learned from it and i've learned that like i've also learned that i was a real shithead like i wouldn't have (laughs) wanted to be my own boss yeah yeah yeah.
2: because
1: i was like you know like smartest guy in the room Mm -hmm. like always pointing out all the cracks and i was like the classic guy that like had opinions and zero expertise right and i'd be like this should be like this this should be like that and sometimes I was right, right. but I was right, but didn't understand the context of why it was happening. Totally. Other times I was right and I was just right. Yeah. Other times I was like just ignorant, like didn't know what I was talking about. But I would take these positions and I just think back like, oh, when you said like you're probably a shitty employee, so you'd be a good boss. I was like, I was actually probably a pretty shitty employee in terms of like unpleasant to deal with. Right. I was always bringing problems to the table right, rather right. than saying, how can I help or how can I be a service here? True.
0: And like, do you think you learn more from, how can I put this? Do you think you learn more from like that, like thinking you were always right? Or do you think you learn more from just like being in the position yourself and putting it out there and being like, okay, well, I'm now the boss. So I have to learn this. Mm-hmm. Or do you think you were actually so right that that interaction with that boss taught you more
1: about, about being a boss? I learned three things. I learned more about being a boss by actually having to put my money where my mouth is. Right. And anyone can have an opinion and point out problems. Very few people can hear a problem and then come up with a solution. Right. So I learned a lot about being a boss just by doing it Uh and and having to like literally like if I don't fix this stuff or unless I do this well I'm going to fail and I'm going to let everyone down. Right. Right. And it I will always think my old boss sucked and I will never ever not think that because he sucks. Of course, of course. The worst. Yeah, yeah. However, what I learned is. I literally was a real shithead right. as an employee, and um, having a know-it-all attitude is just like crippling if you want to do anything cool in the world. Yeah, that's the first thing. The second thing uh, is I learned about how to be an actual coach though by being in a space where the culture sucked at the company I was in, and their process sucked. So like to do what I do, I learned by having a bad boss. Awesome, because yeah. the bad boss, I was like. Hey, everything this guy does sucks, but, or the way he thinks about this work sucks, but I have to kind of mind those guidelines by doing really good work. So it helped me be really creative in my process, which kind of set me up to do the business. Yeah. Uh, but the third thing that I, I learned is like being insecure, because like, you know, I grew up, I grew up kind of in a weird situation where I have like a lot of like base insecurities about trying to like prove myself. Mm-hmm. And being in a situation that was as toxic as the one that I worked in beforehand really taught me. It's like if you feed into that, you are fucked for the rest of your life. Right, right, and it right. Really helped me like turn that down and just get really good at something. And yeah. and just as long as I knew I was good at it, it was good. Awesome. So that's the three things. But I learned how to be a business leader by being like, well, I just got fired, so <laughs> I better
0: figure it out. And, and then you hit the ground running. And I and I think that that's like a really valuable thing because I think that people. You were able to say you were able to leave that and and not only take the negativity of getting fired. You can still say like, I like there's there's a positive in that. There's a, like I always used to say, oh my old boss is a total piece of shit as a human, but he was a great barber right. and like that. And I realized that I was saying that from a perspective of like trying to find a positive in a negative situation. But really, I did learn a lot, you know, watching and and like coming up with him because. Because I think, like, when he started the business, I was by his side the whole time. So I was kind of implementing some things that I wanted to see in a business. And I was able to kind of help create a culture that, whether it got sidelined or not, was, was, was healthy at, at, a, at a time. And I could take those
1: things and move, move forward with my own when, when I was given the opportunity, you know? Oh, yeah. So in doing this, like, I would imagine you've learned a lot about yourself and having multiple locations of two different businesses. Yeah, yeah. What's something that you've learned about yourself that you were pleasantly surprised to learn from from actually being a boss and business owner?
0: Um, I think. I mean, I, I I've and in doing a lot of work on myself more recently than than uh, than uh, than in the past. I I, th- I think I've learned a lot about my adaptability and a, and a lot about my like, you know. In recent years, I'd say the last five, I've learned a lot on how like how to stay calm under pressure, how to like not fly off the handle, how to not, you know, and it, and it still comes out all the time. It's going to, that's, that's in my, in my, in my nature. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm a, a, a very um, fiery personality. I'm, I'm, you know, I think it comes from drive, but I think that like, if I can find a solution in something, I, I'll, I'll do my best to do it. Now I'm able to kind of stay a little more grounded. And I think that I've worked on meditation. Um, when I'm in better physical shape, I'm able to make better decisions. I've let that go fall by the wayside in the last little while. So I've been like slowly trying to get back into running and, and, and other, other exercise and yoga and stuff like that. And I think that like, when I am firing on all cylinders, when I'm at my best, I'm actually working on myself as well. So if I, if I'm able to like jump into a situation that normally I'd be like, Oh my God, the room's on fire. Now I can walk in and be like, Okay there's a fire extinguisher right there. Like yeah. I can just grab it and, you know, instead of running around panicking, I'm able to like slow down a little bit and kind of take a step back and, and figure out what the solution is before I panic. So I don't know if that answers your question, but hey, I think tell, I'm a little more
1: adaptable than How did you learn that though? I think
0: taking time. I think just like, like, you know, it's funny, my mom's been teaching yoga since the seventies. Like she, mm-hmm. like she's been doing yoga forever. And, yeah. um, and, no teenage kid wants to do what their mom thinks is cool. So, so I avoided it at all costs my whole life. And I think it found me at a time that I really needed it in my life. And so meditation and yoga go hand in hand. And I think that when I really took the time to actually find 10 minutes a day of just like, and everyone that's like, I can't meditate. I can't meditate. No, no, no you just won't meditate. So, and, I, and I don't think it's a solution for everybody, but when I was able to find 10 minutes to just completely shut everything off, it doesn't always mean sitting there with an app or sitting there in dead silence or dark or whatever. Sometimes it's lying down and just breathing. And like finding that feeling of calm really helped me kind of put that into my practice as, as, as a boss and like, you know, taking a step aside and going like, okay, I don't, th- this doesn't need, the room's not on fire. It, you know, there's a candle out on you know what I mean so I think just like finding that stillness and finding that like time for myself it's taken a lot of fucking work to do it I did the like tried headspace for a full year 365 days congratulations you get the trophy in the app or whatever tried calm for a year I tried this like uh um what was it called muse it's like a head sensing uh it's like it like monitors your brain waves to like feel when you're actually truly calm and I'm sure there's some bullshit to it but it actually worked because I would feel that and I and I could tell when I was actually relaxed so like you know three years of every single day a different app now I, I, I can do it without an app I don't need technology I love technology I love like the you know gizmos and gadgets and stuff but like I think that once I was able to kind of like figure out that meditation isn't just 10 minutes of silence right. isn't just you know, sometimes it's having a cup of coffee and just staring out the window, you yeah. know, and, like, taking that time to, like, slow down. You can get that feeling when you need it again. You can access it when, when, when you want it to be there. You know yeah. what I mean? So
1: Well, let's, let's flip it. What's something that you've learned about yourself that you didn't know before? You learned via being, like, a business owner and a leader. What's something that you've learned about yourself that you don't like and that you've been working on?
0: Um, I have very... I I, I've kind of always known this so I think that it's kind of like a it might not be the answer you're looking for but I have very low self-worth and Mm -hmm. I have a very low self-esteem and I'm very self-deprecating and I and I I think that I've been trying to work through you know work with my therapist or you know I used to I've gone through therapy in different times in my life for for uh grief and for I I had a period of time in my teenage years where I had a lot of loss and Mm -hmm. so I went to like anger management and grief counseling and all these things and when they were covered under my mom's benefits and then when that ran out it was like okay well I you know I struggled with depression and 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 trying to figure out a lot about myself that of, of the why like why do I feel this way why am I why am I you know uh having suicidal thoughts why am I in, in this space and I think that once I was able to kind of address that and realize that like my internal dialogue of like knocking myself down wasn't helping anything. And so, so when I, when I hit a really heavy low in like, you know, the middle of the pandemic, it was hard because I was struggling with like, I was on this upper trajectory growth in my, in my companies. Like I was ready to expand the businesses and, and I had and only known growth in the business for like eight years. And now I'm in survival mode for two years but I didn't take the time to properly figure out how to encourage myself to to say like listen dude like you had fucking 8 years of growth you yeah. can you can grow this and you can take this it it can plateau for a little bit to grow again or and if it drops off you can go back up like I just kept saying oh this is my probably my fault this is because I fucked this up or I fucked that up or whatever and I and I would always attack my my myself and I think that like learning learning to like understand that has been the hardest part for sure like like seeing that that in 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 myself and and like it comes out a lot in business because it's like oh that person left that's probably because i suck as a boss you know that person moved on and or 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 whatever they, they don't talk to me anymore because of this or that client stopped coming to the shop that's because i haven't made it comfortable enough for them that's my fault you know what i mean and there are other factors at play, but I think I, my, I, I ultimately always go back onto myself. And so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn to, like, accept and, and, and move forward as opposed to, like, continue to
1: the cycle of, like, attacking myself for it, you know? Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that with me. Um, something that stood out ever since we've known each other, and you know, I want to give a big shout out to Dan Smith. Of course best friend of the show, a uh, wonderful, wonderful guy. He's who really first, we'd kind of been interacting. Right, when he, right. When we first yeah, connected us. Yeah. Um, when you and I first started spending time together, uh, Yumi and Monica, one of the things that I know we both really appreciated was how open and honest you were about struggles that you've had around mental health. Mm-hmm. And it's such a wild thing. So I'll be 49 this year. How old, how old are you? I'm 40. 40, okay. So like, you know, we're right in that demographic mm-hmm. of like, Men yep. who have just a certain amount of, like, progress in their careers right. and, like, maybe have gotten a little bit of taste of, of success who were in the demographic of men who killed themselves. Right. And I think about this a lot because I didn't start losing friends until I was in my 40s. Right. And then suddenly I was like, oh, so-and-so passed away. And it was like, you know, that code, like, so, you know, so-and-so passed away. And it's like, oh, I know what you really mean. Like, so this person yeah. killed themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's more important than ever that people in general and men, very specifically for this conversation, get really comfortable talking about what's going on for them with totally. mental health. So, specific to you, um, you've been so open and honest with myself and Monica, just as we're ch- chatting and hanging yeah, out yeah, about yeah. what's going on.
0: As friends do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, Being in that space, how do you manage it as a leader, especially like, I love that you opened up about that pandemic, because I do want to talk about that later on, like, because the nature of your business is like an in-person business. We were
0: shut for like 400 days or something. So it's like, yeah, I I think like, to kind of go back to what I was saying before with, with with my like acceptance of of getting back into therapy and so on like i went in through this whole phase where i was like i had a really shitty therapist and i had a really it was an like anger management therapist and this guy was like he was like a fucking south park character and i just i like everything about him was the worst and it didn't he might have been a great therapist but he wasn't for me and and so i think that my my thinking went into well i have really good friends so i don't need therapy yeah and i think a lot of people kinda think that they're talking about these things with their friends and they really aren't. I, I can give you an example of my 30th birthday. I had just split up with my girlfriend, um, uh, who's now my wife. Like, we, like I've, you know, we, m- my dog was super sick. I, I moved the day before into my own apartment for the first time living completely alone. I've always had roommates or a partner or whatever. And I was at full rock bottom. My boss, who was also one of my close friends, I, I called him for help because I thought that I was going to go into crisis. And, and, and I, uh, and I asked him to come over. He lived two blocks away and he told me, um, sorry, dude, I'm watching the West Wing. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, really? That's where our friendship is. Like, you can't, I'm asking you for help and you, and you can't, and I, I couldn't have been more clear that I was in a dark place. And, and I hung up the phone and literally as I held my phone there and thought about further harming myself um um Dan called me birthday call best friend like he has always been that guy and he always just shows up like kind of in my life when I need him you know without without even knowing it's just like this 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 like connection and and I remember like sitting there and looking at my dog and being like like talking to Dan and not telling him anything because I didn't want i didn't want to burden him i didn't want him because he would literally be the friend that would be like i'll get on a fucking plane tomorrow and i know he would and and so i didn't want i have very few people in my life that are that in tune and that like um uh close that would do that and so so i didn't want to tell him where i was at and i think just like the tone of his voice the fact that it didn't seem like a robotic like happy birthday. Hope you have a great day. Call it. was like, he genuinely cared where I was at, what I was doing. And as we always, I talked to Dan most days and it's always like, if, if the conversation goes nowhere, we're always laughing. We're always like checking in on each other, you know? And I think that that was so important for me at that moment because it, I can legitimately say it saved my life. And so I think that like, whether he knew that or not, it was, it was kind of a hard thing for me to, step back and go, okay, well, maybe I do need more than good friends. Mm-hmm. Maybe I do need to do the work with a therapist, do the work with somebody who has training in this. Because although Dan knows exactly what to say and when to say it, sa- same with my friend, Benny, my friend, Rock, like Mike, who who, who you now know, like these guys are, are 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 dudes that I'm really comfortable opening up to that I'm like, that I feel like they understand me. But there's something about taking that extra step to like get "quote unquote professional help somebody that might know other questions to ask might know ways to steer the conversation that I think are it's so important you know and I know that that's your background and I I'm someone that a lot of people turn to for help with addiction and and some mental health stuff but mostly like addiction and sobriety stuff and although explaining to somebody that I'm sober because of straight edge it was a path that I chose as a kid, not because I found sobriety later on. Um, I think there's some comfort in that, but I'm always like, listen, I can get you to a meeting if you need that. I can get you to people who I will have you sit down with and, 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 and they'll help, but I'm not the, like, I can give you some advice, but I can't come from that place. Cause it's not, it's not my world. Like, you know, I'll just get you there. I'll give you the tools. And I think that everybody kind of needs that, whether it's for sobriety or whether it's for you know depression suicidal thoughts any anything like that that, that is in the realm of like self harm or or feelings of low self worth or something like that it will translate into you know you got to start with yourself before you can make your business better yeah. and so so i think that like when i was at my lowest point in in my own heart and mind I was also at my lowest point in the fucking business, and I was watching it crumble, and I thought I was doing things that were like, oh, this will help, and I was kind of haphazardly doing them, but I wasn't doing the work on myself, so therefore the business was struggling because I couldn't ask for that help, you know, and I thought I was asking for help for some people, and maybe they didn't understand what I was asking, or maybe they didn't care, or maybe they were too, you know, um, uh, self-involved with what, what they had going on or whatever, but I think it was a really rough patch that I'm two and a half years later
1: starting to figure out how to come out of. Yeah. Well, I love what you said there, man, because like everyone's got everyone's got different things going on for them. Right. And for example, it's like I don't think I think like we think of different kinds of careers and different um, different kinds of things that people want to get into. We should try and make those things accessible so that people can do them. When it comes to mental health, I think like some of the maybe prevailing thinking like 20, 30 years ago would be like, oh, if you have like serious mental health concerns, depression, anxiety, any, you know, any um, personality disorder, any of these things, right. you shouldn't be running a business or you shouldn't. And I, I don't think that was like something society like planted as a flag, no, no, but it was but yeah. like the unspoken, yeah, for sure, you know, the unspoken thing. And they're now, not fit to do that. I would right. always hear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like what you're saying. And the way it's landing with me, like, it's just like, listen, people live with stuff, man. They live, people live with depression, anxiety. They have all sorts of stuff going on Mm -hmm. for them. And I think our job should be to have as big of like open conversations about being like, hey, you want to start a business? And you've got this thing you're living with. Great. Okay. So here's some of the practical things you can do right. to manage that. And here's some of the re- resources you can go if you hit a low and you're starting to bottom out, you need some support. And here's also some practical business stuff. This totally. is how you scale up. Yeah. In my mind, it's like challenges with mental health should be really openly spoken about so that we can able, enable people to follow their passions and do the things that matter to them. Right. And and that's so much what your story says to me.
0: And And I mean, as a result, bring other people up in it because yeah. whether they might be struggling too and having seen someone leading the way in that ma- makes it easier in itself you know yeah. um yeah it's it's a weird thing cuz it's like i think it's funny that the 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 conversation is steered that way as as you know i as much as i hate celebrity i think it always takes a celebrity to to really put a magnifying glass on something i remember mm-hmm. when everybody was like covid this is fucking bullshit this thing and then tom hanks got it and everybody was like oh my god yeah. it's real and it was like you know like it's always the funny guy that kills himself and everyone's was like that's bullshit and then Robin Williams does it and it's like whoa like this is something we need to talk more about and I think as mental health becomes like the cool thing to talk about and people shit on that being I think it's actually really important I think it is important that we are having this conversation and as cliche as it might be or or whatever I think that people need to understand that like you know certain certain things do need to be discussed and you know, I've I've had offers like, oh, come to this men's group or do this. And and I'm just like, that's not gonna be my thing. Like it doesn't doesn't work. But like I I also don't wanna be, I'm I'm not comfortable being medicated for for what my for my brain right now. And mm-hmm. so and and I think that this is a probably a more um loaded conversation for you and I as like straight edge dudes, like I will sooner start microdosing mushrooms Mm -hmm. before I start taking a pharmaceutical that I feel like would be a more dangerous addiction path for me you know what I mean and and straight edge or not I I will do what I need to do to 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 fix myself and I and I've and I've done a lot of reading and watching documentaries and things about stuff like that because I need to know what where it could go and I and I think that 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 translates to business too. It's like, you want to be looking three steps ahead mm-hmm. and that might not be the, the the path you take, but you know what's over there in case you get there. So it's like, if I'm looking at this is help right here in front of me, and this is a therapist and this is, you know, the op- the option from a therapist to to medicine, whether it be a plant or or, or a pharmaceutical, mm-hmm. I want to know what that is. Just as like, I want to open more shops, but I might just stay with two and that's fine too. Like you have to look ahead and and a big part of that
1: is, like, cleaning your own house up first, you know? Totally, man. Uh, to go to the microdosing thing is an interesting conversation. So mm-hmm. I've got a, a good friend of mine. Um, we're having dinner mm-hmm. about, I don't know, about a year ago or so. And uh, he he had this kind of, like, admission to me It was, like... Hey, man, you know, I got to talk to you about something. And you're straight edge long enough, you know, what this yeah, conversation. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Right? And I'm like, I'm waiting to say, like, you know, I got wasted yeah. or, you know, this or that. And I'm like, hey, I don't care. Like, Dude, it's you. You do your... Yeah, and, and we're I, adults. Yeah, yeah. we adults. But, like, it was more like, listen, man, like, you know, I live with, like, really serious anxiety. Mm-hmm. And um, I started microdosing mushrooms to help manage it. Right. And it's working really well for me. And I was like...
0: Okay. Awesome. And I'm
1: waiting for him to be like, and I got wasted. And yeah. I was like... And he's like, "Well, I don't feel comfortable calling myself straight edge." I was like, "Well, first of all, call yourself what you want. Exactly. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Second, I don't see how that doesn't make you straight edge." It's I'm like you're not getting you're not getting wasted, right? And He's like, "Oh no, it just makes me not want to like do something crazy." I was like, "Oh, so you're just taking medicine?" He's yeah. like, "Yeah, totally." And, uh, I, I don't want this to be like a, a not that you would want this, but it's like I don't want to get into the debates about this like what straight edge the is laws or and the, yeah yeah or or any of that stuff, yeah, but like. Yeah. Fundamentally, for me, it's like, you know, like, I there's nothing I dislike more than talking to people who are shitty about stuff. Totally. And being like, if someone's successful, they're like hating on them being successful. Yeah. If someone's healthy, they're hating on them being healthy. Like, whatever yeah. ridiculous thing. I just want people to be fucking happy. Ex- and if that makes you happy, that's amazing. Exactly. And healthy, happy, productive. If you can be those things, you've yeah. got a great combination. Totally.
0: Life. And I, th- I think that like, straight was a label I put on myself at fucking 15 years old. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's like, that helped me not fall into addiction, mm-hmm. not fall into some some darker path. That maybe it, maybe I would have been great. Maybe I would have been the most fun drunk guy at the party. Yeah. Maybe I would have had a beer after di- after work one night a week. Like whatever that was, that helped me get to where I am. I will continue that because I'm proud of the work that I've done for myself in that because it was the only self-preserving thing I've probably ever done to myself. You know what I mean? And so so I think that like for people to to be able to like if that label is what gets you through the day, awesome. But he said like you said, medicine. If I can take a plant, I knew a straight edge, dude. And and here I am using air quotes in a in a situation that like he still considered himself straight edge. He fucked his back up and he he was so addicted to painkillers that it was like clouding his judgment. He was he he was a different person and I was like, "Man, you got to get help for that now." because that's not healthy what what how many of those you're you're taking a day and again like you know I know athletes who, who smoke weed for recovery i think plants as medicine is, is something that we you know in western society and, like straight edge culture and like whatever it is kind of turn on you know i'm not straight edge because of the fucking law yeah. i'm straight edge for self preservation yeah. so therefore if i can take something that is natural that is further preserving myself yeah. and if i don't fall under some you know Sixteen-year-old hard mosh kid from fucking wherever Midwest. <laughs> his his like rule book. Uh, then see you later, dude. I'm forty. Uh, I don't give a shit. You know, totally like right. like I. So so I think <laughs> that like finding that self preservation is is important. You know, and and you will run your business better. You will you will your home life will be better yeah. if you you know what, what most people say. Like, oh, I'm I'm because I want a clear mind. Well, if I have all this noise in the back of my head, like, hey, dude, jump off that fucking bridge. Or like, you're worthless. You're worthless. And I can find something that's going to tone that down. Mm. There you go. Like, that's, that's, that's self-preservation. That's clear mind. Like, that's, it clears the noise, you know? So totally I'm means. not there just for whatever record. Like, I'm, I'm actually currently taking this stuff called um, ashwagandha. Mm. Um, I have a client who, who started this company and he started giving me these, like, dissolvable pills. If you told me there were sugar pills, I wouldn't care because it's, it's working. I'm, for the first time in my life, I'm sleeping properly. It's a root. It's like a, you know, a natural thing. And like my anxiety is toned way down. I've been taking them for a few months and I'm like noticeably different. And I feel fucking amazing being that that's it. And if that wears down and I start to think, you know, as I t- combine that with a, an amazing therapist that I've been speaking to that for the last like however long, six months or whatever has been genuinely helping me then that's the combination i need right now and that might
1: graduate into something else but i feel great with where i'm at now hell that, yeah you know? man so um well let's shift over to uh to the barbershops. shops mm-hmm. so you start the business you yeah. get fired from your last job and you're like yep. okay you know maybe i was a shitty employee but totally. now i'm going to be a great boss yeah so not like from the very very beginning but from when it started to become like a straight up business that you were building right tell us the story of like growing the business
0: So we started, um, I kind of, I was like fired two weeks before a vacation, a two week vacation where I was, you know, I was going to California and and I think that he knew that and it was, it was almost like strategic because it would like stifle me a little further back. Mm. So that I went, I got fired and I jumped on my motorcycle and went across town immediately to my friend's shop, Town Moto. Mm. And I sat down and I was like, listen, what can I do? we've we joked about building a, a barbershop behind that shop mm-hmm. for for like the, the first year that they were open they just closed now for um they they've been open for 10 years and i think they just decided it was time so um i was like can we build a shop behind your shop and i within like 2 weeks i bought a barber chair went on that vacation um came back and like the day i got back i like went from the airport to the shop set up the barber chair we built an awning in the back and i cut hair all summer out back and it was amazing. It was just me and my dog. And it was like my clients were slowly finding me. I was slowly like I was operating under the name Town Barber because it was in Town Moto, so it made sense. And I had plans to build a building. It never happened because building in back alleys in Toronto is a tricky legal situation. Um, so we had a couple of pop-up situations. We ended up in Rob Dyer, escaped for cancer, had a little space we could rent, and I and I brought um, a, another barber on with me at the time. And um and so he was kind of cutting my clients while I was planning the build and so on and so forth. Because I wanted to be really hands-on. I love building stuff. I love learning that kind of stuff. Ended up, um, it got too cold. And the lease was up there New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And I was Christmas shopping. And I walked into the shop called uh, Lost and Found. And it's like a menswear shop on, uh, on Ossington. The, I knew it was the neighborhood I wanted to be in. A couple doors down from Talmodo. So it kind of made sense. And they showed me their closet in the back. And they're like, do you want to have this? And I was like, I only need it for a couple months. And they're like, yeah, can you fit two chairs in here? And I was like, I like did the like one foot in front of the other like measuring. I'm like, I think so. It was so tight that the chairs touched in the middle and touched on the walls on the outside. Mm-hmm. But it was perfect. We, I, my buddy Jay is like a, an, incred- he's an architecture professor at the University of Toronto. And he helped build this... like." really cool little space we like had this window looking into the shop so it didn't feel like we were actually in a closet Mm -hmm. we had a beautiful light like he kind of built this like screen for the light to bounce off that was just like really nice wood it was it was a really cool build that we did overnight and didn't skip a beat just opened up the next spot and as the owner i had never met the owner of of that shop and we're both very um we're characters both of us so when when i met him i was like i'm either gonna love or hate this guy and he like smacked me in the nuts and like tackled me and i was like what the fuck is this guy's deal and by the end of the guy cut his hair by the end of the haircut i'm like i fucking love this guy and like everybody that's there the other owner justin is like easily the sweetest person you've ever met you're right, right. but jonathan and i had this like french like i still go by all the time and we always make fun of each other and he's like I genuinely love them. Like everyone there, Chris, who worked there, who she originally suggested we go back there. Every we had this like little family, and it was like I didn't want to leave that. Like I loved. So we started looking at the place next door. I was like, I'm gonna offer the other shop money to close or something. We can be that close to them because it's it's where we want to be. We we were there for a year, and then I found the space that I'm that I'm in now on Dundas, and it was kind of the perfect growth that we needed. So we, were, we, we grew to another barber. We had the three of us. We went in there, got an apprentice. And then I started out with four chairs in there because I was like, it was an old Portuguese restaurant. I like gutted it, built it over a month. Um, I did a tour with Sitting um, Color like at the beginning of that month. And like the little bit of money that I made on that tour paid for half the build. So it was like, I was able to kind of like parlay that into, you know, b- building the space out. And we started with four chairs And within the first year we had enough employees and enough business that we changed our schedule to be open 10 hour days. And we were like, Holy shit, how can we keep growing? Let's renovate, let's build, let's add two more chairs. So we did that. And then within two years of that, we were like, I guess we're ready to open another shop. And we opened down on queen street. I lived upstairs from the space. So I knew the landlord really well. Um, I'd known her for like 20 years and, um, and so we I I called Martin, my my business partner at at um at Major Treat and I was like, hey, I want to put a coffee shop in my next barber shop and I want it to be on Queen Street around the corner from the Nunash shop. And he's like, like didn't skip a beat. He's like, let's fucking do it. Like he he di- hadn't seen the space. It was a total shithole. Like we basically just put lipstick on a pig and like, okay, let's <laughs> let's go, you know? And 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 it it worked so well. And I made the same mistake there. I started with four chairs. And within the first year there, I'm like, we're expanding again. So we, within the first year, blew the walls out, added two chairs in the back. And it's not the most conventional layout for a barbershop. I like when it's one room, the community aspect of everybody like, you know, chirping each other across the room. And my, my, my shops are, are designed so that it's not all chairs down one wall. I want everybody kind of like culminating the conversation in the middle of the room. I, mm-hmm. I, I love that aspect of it. and so. It's a little lost at Queen Street when we add the chairs in the back, but the front room is mainly like that anyway. And I think right now that shop feels a little bit more like the reason I opened than than Dundas because we've got newer employees at Dundas. So we're still, we're like building back up to that. But yeah, we, we, we had 12 chairs within a couple of years and we're on a great path to, to do more. The coffee shop was, it's a separate business, but it operates within the same space. And it's, it's been super fun to like, I was telling you this when I, when I came in here, like I've for six years, it's been open. And I was always like, I'm going to learn coffee. I'm going to learn coffee. I'll, you know, I'll figure it out. And Martin's like, he's a lot smarter than me. So he, he jumps into something and gets like really good at it really quickly. And I'm like, Oh, I'll learn it. I'll be fine. We've scheduled ourselves on the schedule in the coming weeks. And I'm like, Shitting myself that I'm like watching YouTube videos now and like learning, reading as much as I can because I'm gonna be behind the bar and I and I want to do a good job, like Mm -hmm. not for anything but my own relationship with the space. You know what I mean? So I think like once I was able to kind of like you know build those teams and 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 I was very picky about who I hired and 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 because I it all had to work together and you know as as you know people butt heads and it was nice to be able to have somewhere to move them to the other location or, you know, they were dating and it was like, okay, well you broke up and you don't want to work together anymore. So things like that were like, you want to be able to do that. But I, but I loved being in both spaces and I'm kind of only spending my time at Dunness right now because I'm trying to build that back up. And so like being back in the queen space to pour coffee or
1: whatever, it feels comfortable, you know, oh, yeah. it's good. Um, so you were experiencing this very natural organic growth, but it's yep. pretty quick. Yep. Like you're yep. scaling up very quickly. Yep. Uh, I know you were kind of had plans for other stuff, and then pandemic hits. Yeah. So, tell us about the, those two years and what was the impact on your business.
0: It, it's it's funny at the beginning, um, I had been go 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 for so long that I was like, I was excited to use that. Everyone thought it was going to be two weeks. Remember, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. And so, I think I went into it like, okay, I can sit down for two weeks and and you know, plan what's next so that when we come out of this, I can get ready. We were looking at spaces on the east side. We had like the perfect space, you know, picked out. And so I, I got really excited about that. And I also was very excited to like sort of slow down a little bit. And and I I started years, two years before, year before I, I started painting. And I and I never really told anybody because I've I had like severe imposter syndrome, and I still do. I don't really show anybody my my uh, my stuff, and I and like. I got really excited that I had just had this really inspirational trip to California where I got to like spend a day with my favorite artist and watch him paint. He and you know, purchased a painting from him and had an amazing, inspiring conversation. And so I came back like energized and I was like, okay, yeah, I really want to do, put some time into this. Not for anything other than it makes me calm. Like it really like grounds me. And so I was really enjoying having that time. So I was, I was kind of looking at it as like a welcome break for my mental health to be able to do that. But I think once I really registered that it wasn't two weeks, yeah. it caught up and my mental health was like, oh, fuck, now I'm in panic mode yeah. because there isn't money coming in. And there wasn't like the government grants that everybody was talking was coming down the pipeline and whatever. It got really fucking scary. And I had some reserve because I was, I'm terrified of debt. Yeah. So I financed all these things. Myself, I didn't have rich parents. I didn't have anything like that that was, I was able to, you know, depend on for the building of the, sh- of the shop. And so when I, when I was ready for a third one, I made sure I had all the money saved up to do that. And had I not done that, I would have lost the businesses for sure, because that's what got us through the pandemic. Everyone talks about like, oh, you, but you got government grants. You got government grants. It wasn't government grants. It was government loans that they basically filtered money through the small businesses to pay our landlords. So landlords were the only ones that won in this whole thing. And so when we were forced to be closed for so long, and my my approach with COVID was really difficult because as I approached everything, my number one priority was to respect people. So if you were ultra cautious and ultra paranoid about COVID and masking up everywhere and whatever, I was totally cool with that. And I still am. I still, I'm not currently cutting with a mask on, but if somebody comes in and they're wearing a mask, I always say like, do you want me to put this on? Because I respect you and I want you to feel respected in the space. And so I think like my approach from that was like, okay, everything is pointing at there's no reason for us to, to not be able to operate our businesses in a safe manner. Like we know how to do this. We're as clean as a doctor's office. Like we know what we're doing. Why aren't we open? And so that started taking its toll on my, my mental health. And I started to like really go dark. And I was, I was like going into my office and like spending half the day just sitting there. I wasn't even wanting to paint because I was so um discouraged and 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 so i i kind of hit like another bottom where i was like i'm never coming out of this i'm never going to financially recover i'm losing employees left right and center to other shops or other businesses or other um um career paths you know and and most of them like i don't you don't own your employees there's no ownership there's no poaching there's none of that shit but it's like it's like when you've invested time and energy into people you kind of feel a kinship with them that isn't it's never an ownership it's just like well i've spent this time with you i'm i'm excited that you can build a business and f- jump into that i knew you weren't you weren't going to be here forever or i'm i'm honored to have a friend who you know came from nursing when a pandemic hit she there's nothing more noble than reinstating your nursing license in a pandemic to fucking help people like that was incredible you know and and so i i looked at those things and you know it hurt to lose people and to lose the, the dynamic. And I kind of felt like when we did come back from lockdown, it was all at once because, you know, they might not have all have quit the same day, but when it was like three guys of visas expired and they had to move back to their respective countries, that was over three months or four months. So coming back and being like, oh shit, we're three down. You know, she went to, to nursing. He started a company like Coming back and, being, and looking around the room and being like, fuck, there's half the people here. Like, this is scary, you know? And the amount of times that, like, when, when the second lockdown hit or 2.3 or whatever the hell it was, and I had moved out of the city, I, you know, was helping a buddy pour concrete in his backyard. And I was like, I'm just going to close the shops and do construction. And Dan Smith, again, was like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? You're just going to hate your boss in two years and open and start a construction company. He's like do what you've built like work on what you've built you've put all this time and energy into this yes it sucks right now because they i was watching everybody in I mean, fucking bc was open like we were i was like this is crazy like why are my friends who do the same job as me thriving and we're being held back and it, and and so i think like where I, I i went from like really high and like feeling really good about where things were my relationship was getting sorted out my you know, my, my mental health was kind of getting back on track as I had this outlet. I felt great about it. And I was able to spend time with the, guy, the people in my shop that and I was renting them a space in the basement. So I kind of felt connected still. And then when they left and then when, you know, people changed, it was like, shit, I'm pretty alone, you know? And, I, and, and the, the friendships that I thought I had built within that space might have been relationships of convenience or might have been. Um, things that I didn't have as good a grasp, like an understanding of what they really were as I thought I did, because I was probably blinded by being busy. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was, it, it, it took a lot and I'm still working through a lot of it, man, because like my oldest employee, my, my longest running employee at Dundas right now has only been there a year. And although I feel like I've known him a long time, he's an amazing dude. It's hard, like Going from having an eight-year relationship with the guy across the station to, you know, cultivating these new relationships, which I I enjoy doing. Everybody in the shop is there for a reason. I I value them all. But, like, you know, I think when I realized that there was some toxic energy in the room that was kind of, like, poisoning the well a little bit, once that left, it was easier to build that back up,
1: you know? Yeah. You know, I've heard a lot of similar stories from people who ran businesses that that couldn't be done online. is you know it, it's weird because like you and I are just like you know we're just like dudes out in the world you right know, with business owners and I could debate all day about whether whether or not there should have been lockdowns to what degree totally. like all all of that stuff yeah and I have like some real strong thinking about it yeah but but more so the thing that I've been hearing from to avoid that because I think you and I are on the same page but to right. avoid that um, the thing I've been hearing about bit from business owners who had in-person businesses that's like what you had to do is be in person yeah was that like yeah it sucked i assumed a ton of debt both government debt from from i like that you identified like these aren't grants these are loans No, they were government loans loans.
0: and they were they were literally just filtering the loan through me into the landlord like that was it and we're still paying off our government totally yeah as well
1: but um while there was all these things it's the did my business survive yes but Mm -hmm. the analogy i'd give is like is it running a marathon and finishing the race and walking away, or is it running the marathon and collapsing at the finish line? Right. It's like, yeah, a lot of businesses completed the marathon, but will they be able to not collapse at the finish line? But the flip side thing that I'm hearing, uh, which has a more of a positive side, is like, right. actually, it was kind of a refreshing reset because some things it's had um, set up in our culture that I didn't love. A right. lot of people ended leaving, totally. so I still have the bones of the business, but now I can Kind of, I can decide what the culture's gonna be rather than, than it just being this legacy thing that I had to manage. Right,
0: right. It, it's funny too, like, like you said, collapsing at the finish line, like I'm watching businesses now crumble. Yes. And, and it, it, the hardest part about that is that I think we all kind of took for granted the messaging because understanding when, when people, when they told us for three years stay home, stay home, stay home. Mm-hmm. And even though there was the louder voice of like, fuck these lockdowns, tyranny, whatever, all, all that bullshit aside, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, when it got to day 400, were like, fuck, you know, I gotta stay home. And, and I'm hearing people like, you know, oh, my boss is making me go back into the office. And I, although I don't agree that five days of work, a, a week in the office is a healthy environment because we've now figured out that we can balance this out at home, mm-hmm. The economy and other businesses and, and, and community depends on this shit, depends on people. I built my business with a projection of business that was coming through because people were going to work. Mm-hmm. And if your house has now become your office, your gym, your bar, your restaurant, your, you know, everything is, is there, you're getting your haircut less frequent. And our business is suffering as a result. You're not getting coffee. You know, even me thinking about it the other day, I was like, I'm, I do therapy over Zoom. Mm-hmm. If I was going to my therapist, I'd probably grab a coffee at a local coffee shop on the way there and one on the way back. Yeah. Now it's like that that's, you know, $14 that a local business is missing. And where I don't think that, again, it shouldn't be that, you know, you, you, you go five days a week or you're home five days a week. What about the balance of like, okay, maybe I go into the office three days a week. And instead of buying 10 shitty H&M suits because I have to dress up to work, I buy three really nice ones from Sydney's or like a local, ta- Sydney's is the best tailor in Toronto and I care more about myself, and I put the money back into the community. And not everybody can, can, can think about, about that or like that because I, my two-week haircut guys are now two-month haircut guys because they're less frequent, or maybe they've changed it up because we... And I'm not faulting anybody for that. Yeah. It's just one of those things that, like, we've, we've conditioned everybody now to be like, oh, we're, you know, stay the fuck home. And forgetting, like, how does a dry cleaner survive a pandemic? Like, how, like you know, looking at it from our perspective of, like, I would, we were never like, we're fucking rich. This is great. But we had a really good projected business plan that was ready to, to continue to expand. And, I'm, and maybe I'll get back to that. But where it put us right now is, is in this really volatile situation where like we're trying to get people to come out. And like I'm, I'm noticing our slower shop used to be Queen Street. There's probably 100,000 people across the street in condos. Dundas was a destination, but everybody was hitting it on the way home. So we were always busy. Now we're like starting from scratch with new barbers, with new, new, you know, the way society moves, it's totally different. And we're, we're, we're having to like think outside the box of like how we've built it. Cause we, we had such a great reputation for almost 10 years that like building was never something we had to think about. Business was just coming to us because it was, you know, people were hearing about it. It was like in your, in, in your general dealings and you're walking around Toronto for the day and you see this and you're like oh this is a cool space I'll
1: check it out this is now where I get my haircut and then you build a relationship with somebody so it's a weird thing for sure and you brought up something I I haven't even thought of at all so like since we've talked about Dan a lot on this like yeah so from my perspective as you're saying it I was like oh it lit up a bunch of thinking like let's say a tattoo shop Uh nobody's going to stop getting tattooed because it's a specialty thing right so during the pandemic of course they had all the challenges in that but it's like it's a specialty thing totally so people who are into tattooing are always going to get tattooed yep always yeah and dan i'm sorry if i'm simplifying that because i'm sure there's all sorts of things (laughs) he can say about that for sure but different kinds of shops too right right, like yeah well let's go let's go to haircuts like i didn't even think about that about if people go into work less that just means all of the economy that's built on, let's say, lunch traffic, mm-hmm. you know, like, like the diners are downtown. But yep. It's like, oh, like, yeah, we, we've got all this business. We can assume that people come into work five days a week. Now, now people are coming to work three days a week. Yep. You're taking out two-fifths yep. of, of how much money they make in a week. Totally. We were talking about a, a creative agency that closed on the block of our coffee
0: shop.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: 21 people in the office. Seven of them come regularly. Mm-hmm. Office closes that's a few hundred dollars a day that is being taken away from the business that was like that's the difference between make or break that's where like that was keeping us in the black like that was like okay we're able to pay rent this month you know that's one office so think about like you know everybody just moving like I'm sure you've seen it down like in your you've been to Toronto a lot like seeing people just are not out at like they used to be in nicer days and obviously we're in like a January lull right now whatever that looks like but I think like we've always been prepared for this time of year to be a little slower, but I think I'm noticing it more now because it's like, we can't, it's that, it's that whole like super troopers thing, like pull over, pull over. Like I can't pull over anymore. Like we're literally there. Like we were, one of my shops is closed Sunday, Monday. We, we prided ourselves on the fact that we were a seven day barbershop. You know, we're, we're shaving hours off to instead of 10 hour days, we're going backwards. And if going backwards is what we have to do to save the business. Awesome. I'm not, I'm not worried about losing the business. I just, it's like this mental roadblock of like, I did all this work. We did all this work to get here. Mm-hmm. And now we're like going back to like, you know, right. go
1: forward, I guess. But it's a fascinating thing. Like, I've literally never uh, thought about this before. Like the economy that builds up around another economy. So you've got downtown or like a business core or whatever, all right. of the businesses that are there. If you take out, people work from home two days a week. Yeah. So they're literally losing two days of yeah. business which is like, I'm sure there are people listening to this who are going to be like, well, duh, you should have thought of that. It's just not, not in my head. If you want to talk about a government program, what a government program would be is how do we subsidize these businesses that I do believe that, that moving to more of like a flex model, like cadence is all um, all distance. Like right. We've always been online, right. which is why if with the pandemic, we're we're in a very fortunate position because we're just kind of built that way. Right. But like, I do believe a lot of jobs could have that flex, work some days from home a totally. week. But if we're going to make that shift as society, like you'd said earlier, society's doing things differently now as a result of these two years, yep. that's where government should step in. And that's exactly. where government should say, great, if businesses are going to do this, yep. that's fantastic. What we can do is you know, like let's do some incentives, some some tax incentives yep. for businesses that are that are um, feeling the heat from that, or proper grants because you giving loans and grants
0: and stuff to companies that definitely don't need them. Like, yeah. you know, Air can. Like, I I, I don't want to get into specifics because it, yeah. it just makes me mad. But like, I and and correct me if I'm wrong, but I've followed your business for a long time and watching the way, even though you were remote, you still made efforts to encourage your employees to be out in the community like those running initiatives and things that you did that were that were you know you're you you have employees here Mm -hmm. like tammy tammy who works here is able to still be an amazing mom and 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 go to local restaurants and do the things locally because she has a job that is structured as such that 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 encourages her to to do all those things and i think that that's that's responsibility of the employer as well. So, so it's like, if, if you, if your people are working from home, I know, I know other employees that are like, employers that are like, okay, now everybody shuts off their computer and I want everybody to send me a selfie from a walk. I want to know that you're walking around your neighborhood and like, you're going, you're going to get fresh air because at, at one point in the pandemic,
1: that was all we were allowed to do. You know what I mean? So yeah, well, and to speak to that point, like government grants, I think for like businesses that are affected by that, but also like I think businesses that have existed within communities mm-hmm. where an economy grew up based on that economy have. It's like it's like listen, if my neighbor um, was afflicted with something, yep. and I've lived they've lived beside me for twenty years, right. and they had I don't know, like let's say they had something happen with their leg, I would take it upon myself to help them out because they're your neighbor. Yep. So something I think would be pretty reasonable is like businesses that have, let's say, like in a downtown core, basically having like a a pool that they all throw into to be distributed across the businesses. Now, I know from a capitalistic perspective, that's like people are like, why would we do that? You live and die by the economy. I'm not saying be doing that 10 years from now, but maybe for the short term until things
0: shift. Because it's been a gradual shift, man. Like people forget that. You know, it literally was day to day. It was like, today you're open, tomorrow you can't be. Totally. And then vice versa. So so when we came back, when we came back the first time, we had a new booking system. And when we, it was all online. And when we hit, we like opened, I remember sitting there like the anticipation we've been closed for X months, whatever. We were all excited. I hit open and we crashed their entire system because we built it up to be like, hey guys, this day, this time jump online. We had guys on like two laptops, a phone and a and a tablet. <laughs> and they're like, we had 8,200 people at once on our website crashed all of Squire. Hmm. Squire came to us and we're like, we're sorry we had double bookings as a result. Like we've never seen traffic like this because the anticipation was there. Hmm. Just as when we were like, hey, you're going to close again. We're shutting this this off. Why is there no mesh into that? That's what I did. I just never understood the like hard stop on Either way, because I don't operate my business on a fucking hard stop. I have to, you know, you might need more than two weeks vacation. Yeah. And I'm comfortable giving you that. I, I, I love that. Can you still get, like, how does that work, you know? And, and I, I, I think that people are too black and white in, in, the in in like our thinking because no one ever anticipated being shut i never thought that like my business would depend on people going to work because i never thought people
1: would stop going to work totally you know what i mean so well that's why like i know like we're just like spitballing right right dude if if it was like listen is an economy based on an economy you got a downtown core of businesses and then you've got all these businesses that are there to serve the Mm -hmm. people that go there Mm -hmm. why is it impractical to say for like let's say for the next three to five years there is a um, from a profit base. You're going to give a certain amount from your profit base into this pool, and this pool is going to be distributed across all the people who apply for it. Right. To me, that makes sense. It's like, hey, v- society will adjust what it needs at the time. But if we're if we're even if you're saying we're living in a capitalistic society, it's like, well, you can be we'll operate in a capitalistic society that doesn't have to be heartless. Totally. And again, I know this is just two two dudes uh, kicking around ideas, but like. I just, I hadn't really thought of that angle of like, oh, people not going to work means that, that you're going to have less traffic. Right. It's a crazy thing. So, getting out of fantasy thinking, but more into practical thinking, yeah. you had this really cool organic growth going on. Uh-huh. And it's just shops really architected off of how you would like things to be. Right. Right. There was no, some, no huge big plan. It's just like what felt right at the time. Just built a space that I wanted to hang out in. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Pandemic hits. Yep. A lot of things shifted. Where are you at today in terms of being able to get back to that kind of like nice organic growth? In some ways, I'm already there. Like in some ways, like I, I walk into the shop and the
0: familiarity alone kind of gets me to the next day. But I, I think in the actual, like as far as like actual growth is concerned, I think the focus is less on how can we be bigger and make more money? And, you know, like I think it's more like how can we cultivate a better, a better culture within I, I know that that term gets thrown around very loosely but um how can we make this place better yeah. in order to be able to grow in a healthier way and 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 to be ready for like shit there might be another pandemic tomorrow you know what i mean oh like God. let's obviously hope not but but like i think so like working with i've got a, a general manager in my shops named tony and tony's like my, my saving grace. Like I've known him for a very long time. I've always really respected him. I've always like admired how, um, he's very, he's very driven. He's very like, like, um, focused. And I think that his, his focus on like, you know, helping grow the business for everyone is, is, is like at the forefront of, how he conducts himself as a general manager. So in us, like trying to find ways to better make the shops work, I think that's kind of our focus right now. It might not, like we just opened another major treat, probably not the smartest thing in the, in like what is still considered the middle of the pandemic. I guess we're still not endemic or whatever that means, but um, that business aside, like that will be, that's always been like the fun thing, but where Town Barber is the focus and like the, 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 you know, bread and butter, I think like creating a better space in what we've already built is kind of the focus right now. And if growth happens as a result of that, amazing. If we have to scale it back again, we'll figure it out. But like, I think like working with Tony and like brainstorming ideas and, and every day he's like, what do you think about this? And 99% of his ideas are amazing. They might not all work for what we're doing. But I like that we can tell each other that back and forth. I can say, hey, I think we should do this. And he's like, no, that's fucking stupid. And I'm totally cool with that. Because nobody takes offense to anything. We're, we work very well together. Um, I think that like when we get back to a time when we can start thinking about growing, whether that be more locations, whether that be um, working with the space better, whether that be whatever we'll we'll know and we'll be ready for it i'm i'm kind of feeling stagnant in my creativity and um i've been talking with some people about um some other avenues of of like when i when time frees up a little more and i'm able to um not focus so much on town barber as what it is as a business and 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 incorporate ideas that will ultimately help that but also help that creative outlet for me i think that's what i'm excited
1: about as well hell yeah Yeah. all right man let's let's talk a little bit about you coming up like how did you Mm. get here now i'm not asking for (coughs) some like huge deep dive but one of the things that i know is important to your story is like you're one of the most authentic people i know and like you're just truly who you are appreciate that and that's helped you in a lot of ways about your journey but it's Mm -hmm. also like there's been some bumps in in the road so yeah to whatever space you want to start with like Essentially, how did you get to where you are today? Where, did, where does the story start? I mean, I think
0: uh, I think in high school, when I was, like, finding myself, and like, you know, seventh and eighth grade, finding skateboarding that kind of was ultimately, like, my gateway to culture and trouble, probably, you know? I, I think, like, punk rock, everything kind of came in from there. Um, and I had a, a, a cousin who introduced me to punk rock, and I think that that was, like... Game over. I was like, this is this is it. And as we all got that feeling, it was very different then than it is now. There was no internet. There was no like, you know, you really had to dig and find these things and see a guy walking down the street and literally like a costume. And, you know, I've I've met some of the best people in my life as a result of that. And I'll continue to credit it for that. Um, and I think like slowly as I found my way through that, I did like co-op with a music promoter in in Kitchener where I grew up um that parlayed into somehow meeting a band that would take the chance and take me on tour um that band was goldfinger i was like a kid and they fucking brought me on tour and it was like my job was like stage manager whatever it was i was just like the punchy kid who was like you know i was vegan and straight edge so they wanted me in their space and it was it was great and uh you know you meet other bands as a result and i ended up in california and working for for other bands that would slowly like kind of ping pong me around to like realize that i was i was trying to be peter pan and like living on the road for you know the better part of 10 years was like i had jobs in between but nothing that ever satisfied me the way touring did probably because of the social thing probably because it was so nomadic and i was able to kind of like be a fucking viking and like 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 you know leave my problems behind me be in the next city grow and then and then when i realized that like it was pretty stagnant i was turning into peter pan it was the never Neverland thing of like nothing is changing in this world for me i need to grow beyond that so i i started looking at every job that i could can i be a garbage man can i be a straight edge bartender like i was literally thinking about everything just trying to be like what do i want to do and uh and I think in some ways I'm still in that, in that realm where I'm like, I want more. I want to, for me, I want to be, I want to feel creative. I want to feel like I have an outlet and bar barbering. I kind of stumbled into barbering. I helped this guy open a shop and then I slowly learned. And then I was like, well, this feels like tour, but I'm sleeping in my own bed and I'm with my dog and my girlfriend and my wife or whatever. And now like, i like, th- I think that like, as I realized that, Tour, that feeling was like in me mm-hmm. and I was able to kind of like grow into into that and and you know I had other businesses I had a little pin company with my buddy Andrew that afforded us like paid our rent for a few years and like just things that we were just like bouncing ideas off of each other and like what else can we do that's going to make some money and you always have that like you know everybody in that in the in the in the scene that has like that that hustler's mentality of like I need to and it wasn't to be rich I knew, I didn't think that crucial pins was going to make me rich. It was just like something that I was like having fun sitting there and cranking out pins with my friends overnight and like between tours or whatever, you know? So I think when I found barbering, it was like, okay, well, I can be in a space. There's some a creative, like hands-on a, a element to it. It's, um, it's a social thing. It's a, it's like a very much like a, a positive space, a, a friendly space. There was no from where I wanted to, to see it, it from, there was no attitude. There was no bullshit. It was just like, this is it. This is fun. This is cool. And it kind of brought me there and coffee that, that conversation with, with major treat was literally just like Martin and I, I've known him. He sings in that band career suicide. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, dug his band, seen him around forever, started cutting his hair. I want to open a coffee shop. Me too. Oh, I got this branding. Me too. I like this one, you know, and, and it just turned into this thing that we were both like, I wouldn't have called it disposable income. It was like, let's put some money into this thing and see if we can make it do something and just like bring a passion and an idea to life. And and like, again, anybody can start a business. Anybody can, you know, if you have somebody else's money, it's even easier. But anybody can like save up, start a business, do it. But holding onto it for five or 10 years and like growth is the hardest part. And I think people kind of forget that. So I think that like, when I I set out to like do it, I didn't think I'd own a barbershop for 10 years. I didn't know if I'd own a barbershop for a year. When I started barbering, I didn't know if I would ever own a Mm barbershop. It was like, I was trying to help this guy do this thing. And my purpose has always felt like in this world, my purpose is just to help people. And so if I was able to do that, you know, shit, now I can employ a bunch of people or I can make people feel better about their appearance, you know, Mm -hmm. once every two weeks or whatever. Like it's, that kind of feels good and I think that, that was like how I found it was just like stumbling from tour to that I've never really had a real job yeah. you know like I have no f- education I have no like formal training in anything you know even barbering it was like there was at the time that I was that I was learning there was no barber school yeah. they had taken it out of curriculum in, in, in Ontario so it was a, a a weird
1: thing to just kind of like stumble into you know yeah so another thing and in- you know, like The difference between like just hanging out and then having a conversation we know we're recording. It's like right. we're having like a, a real conversation, right. but I know a lot of the backstory of, right. of how you got here. Right. And one of the things that I know that, that plays big for you is a, the idea of loyalty 100%. and being a good friend yep. and showing up for people. Yep. But when you become a boss it's different yep. because of course there there can be those things, but a lot of it is, as you said earlier, like a relationship of convenience or a transactional relationship. Yep. And it doesn't mean you don't have like a good business or good culture or any of those things, but as a leader, sometimes what you invest in people or maybe even as an employee, what you invest in a workplace isn't reciprocated because it's just like people say, well, it's just business, it's not It's not personal. Yeah. Now, I fundamentally disagree with that. I actually feel like, um, it is business and it is personal. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I treat my business very, very personally. But right. I try not to take things personally. It's hard. So I yeah. was, was going to ask, for someone who I know is like loyalty is such an important thing for you, being a good friend, showing up for people. Mm-hmm. When you're in a workplace where I know it's personal because it's this thing you've built, how do you, I know it's difficult for you, and I, so I don't want right. to like set you up the right way. No, no, no. I know it's tough for you to not take things personally. Uh-huh. How do you work on that?
0: I, I think it's also, it's kind of like managing expectations. So it's like, I, had I known that a relationship with somebody that I brought very close, and when I say close, I mean like coming to my house for Christmas or like, like going on vacation together or having dinner every, other, every couple nights or whatever, spending a lot of time and energy with that person, you know, giving and taking. Um, had I known that a lot of those relationships were just business, and they would fizzle out because of that, I probably would have operated differently. I probably would have acted differently. I probably would have got less emotionally invested. And I think that we, coming from where we do, in, like, counterculture, for lack of a better word, like, I, I, I think, and you and I have talked about this before, like, we have this expectation of, you know, underlying values that come through in skateboarding, punk rock, rap music, graffiti, gang culture tattoo culture whatever it is there's this unspoken code of like loyalty and honor and respect and friendship and, and 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 i think that loyalty is a really easy it's really easy for somebody to get fucking tattooed but it's really hard for them to live it in a lot of in yeah. a lot of ways and so it's like you can throw something like that on a t-shirt because it looks cool but then it's fucking cosplay because a lot of these kids that like you see and and I don't want to make it a generational thing because I don't want to shit on anybody younger because I think there's this like kind of weird I'm seeing like young young kids now who get it Mm -hmm. it's like this middle area where it was like I could go to Urban Outfitters and buy the fucking costume and tattoo my face and you know whatever and I was fooled by it I brought people in thinking like oh that guy's gonna get it that guy's gonna you know he's gonna be on the level loyalty is gonna be there there's gonna be an understanding there's gonna be You know, it will be give and take. There will be a business relationship, but it will also be very personal. And I'll have them stay over at my house, or or I'll help them move, or do the things that friends do. And it almost it stings a little more when you feel like, you know, you you let your judgment of that person get the best of you. And I think that that's been a hard part to navigate in, because I do take it very personally. You know what I mean? And so so. I, you know, I've had people tell me that they, that they, they, I had somebody recently who left and they they said that they like Chris the friend, but they hate Chris the boss. And I realized that everything they were talking about was Chris the boss. They never knew Chris the friend. And I think that that's a hard thing to, for people to understand because just because I'm creating an environment that you want to work in, that's not necessarily out of friendship. That's for me, learning from past mistakes or or past uh employers that I might have been a shitty employee to you know what i mean and so i'm i'm adding perks and bringing these things in to a space that is from from a a place of like wanting to create a good environment to to get me on a friend level and to like have that loyalty is a, is a very rare thing mm. and i'm and I think if anything, business has kind of made that more difficult for me to do, like yeah. to bring people in, because now I'm, I'm almost like expecting someone to leave or or to, you know, um, uh, think that the relationship is something that it's not. You know what I mean? Like think that it's it is just business
1: when I thought it was friendship or vice versa. You know, guys, yeah. share something about please. Mind? Yeah. So I've had. Most people who work in my business are are people who I know through like playing punk or just, you know, like friends, like friends or friends of friends. And now now we have, we're in a kind of a cool place where we have like former clients who are like joining the company and like people who would like let's retired and said, hey, you know, I want to come and do a few years with you before I go into full retirement. Right. And now we're starting to get people who I've never met before. You know, we're literally like true interviewing. Right. I've been real fortunate that we have built up a crew within the business that have that are really mostly people that I've I've known for some amount of years, and it's worked well. But I have two examples that stand out for me. Um, one is like I have like my three closest friends. They all live at a distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of them is my friend Dave Larson, uh, who was the guy who helped me start this podcast. Mm-hmm. My best friend, love him. Came in, worked for the company. Did it just first as a consultant, but then like came in and worked worked for us. And we hit a crossroads of like pay you know like what do we need right like how much time of yours do we need and what are we willing to pay for it right and then how much of his time is he willing to give us and what does he want to get paid and we could not bridge the gap
0: it's a hard conversation man
1: it's a hard conversation and i'll tell you like we were younger as a business so like we weren't as graceful of how we would do it Mm -hmm. and you know i'll say like that's true friendship because he's still my best friend love that and and we had some tough conversations right right, right but like we had tough conversations of two people who wanted to wanted to be able to make it work but we're also like well this is what I can do and he's like well that's as low as I can go right and i got to say it's like that to me is like one of the greatest greatest examples of like when people say would you hire your friends it's like yeah yeah i totally hire my friends but hire your friends who are really your friends right and this guy is like really my friend i've got another example I'll leave names out of it someone who came into the company and just wasn't doing a great job. Not a bad person like right. at all. You yeah. Know? yeah, But wasn't doing a great job and couldn't handle feedback about it. Mm-hmm. Um, would listen to the feedback, but couldn't handle it. And then we ended up having to part ways after a while. And it was one of those things where I kind of hoped, like, hey, I hope it's going to be cool, but it was just never cool again. Right. You know, and like, you, essentially, you never speak again. Totally. And it's like, for me, it's like, I look at those two different examples of like two people who I'm... I'm both one of them is like my best friend, and one of them is someone I've been close with for many years. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're a bad person. No. I don't think that they suck or whatever, but right. I, I just remember thinking it's like, you know, it's not just, am I willing to hire my friend or even the right friend? It's like, hey, if I'm hiring you, are you willing to show up as your highest self, your best version of totally. yourself? Yeah. Because like being the boss or the company owner, you're not always gonna do the right thing. Right. But if it doesn't work out, it's not always our fault either. No. You know? and it's easy to blame though it's easy to throw that blame for sure super easy to blame yeah, yeah. i think one of the the like foundational aspects of loyalty is like if you're going to be loyal with someone you have to know what shit is actually yours yep. and what you're actually accountable for yep. rather than just trying to push everything on the other side of the street right and i learned that lesson through working with these two pe- two different people and hiring a, a few different people who have uh, friends and like knowing like hey you know what, I actually am quite a good boss. I am quite a good business leader. And the places where I'm not good, tell me about it. I'll work on it. And I have. Totally. At the same time, it's like, I'm only going to hire people who are like real friends and who can take the feedback and who can be in the mix and who can set a boundary and say, that's as far as I can go. And if I can't meet that boundary, we can shake hands, still be friends, go the other ways. That's the way I think when I think of loyalty, setting expectations, but also like, how do I manage not taking it personal? Is like I can have friends in a business as long as we're like real deal friends and, right. we're, and we're all accountable.
0: That's interesting to hear because I think that a lot of people, like we've all heard it, don't work with your friends, don't work with your family. I, I'm going to call it made the mistake of working with my brother. Mm-hmm. And I say that because... I love my brother. He's like, he's three years younger than me, but everybody thinks he's 10 years older because he's had his shit together for so long. He's like, my brother's a, a performer. He's a magician, a motivational speaker, uh, amazing dude. Like, like Guinness records and fucking, he's, he's an, an incredible person. And he, when I was trying to figure out what the fuck I wanted to do, he was like, why don't you manage me? And I want you to manage me using your experience in the music industry. Manage me as if I'm a musician. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make this plan. I'm going to, we're going to break your whole shit apart. And we're going to, you're going to go from doing high schools at whatever, 2000 bucks a pop or whatever you get paid to, you're going to be doing big corporate speaking. And I only want you, I want you like Tony Robbins shit. Like I want you doing like five speeches a year and billing them a hundred grand. Like I want you to thrive in that zone because it's cool that you do this and it's great that you work with kids and it's great that you motivate these people. But, you're destined for greatness. You're, you, you should be doing something on a bigger scale. So I made this plan, and it's a very long story that, and, and how, it, how the plan panned out, but he wasn't as open to it as he said he was. And therefore, we, I found out that he was booking stuff without me and without my knowledge and where I told him to take a break for a full year and reinvent himself and stuff. He kind of like to do a record cycle, basically, like yeah. disappear and then you can tour. And... Uh, and We had this whole plan and, and I, we're, we're, we're great. Like I talked to him most days. Um, but I think there was for a little while there when, whether he fired me or I quit, there was like an animosity that I couldn't have had with a regular employee or client or whatever, because it was, it was so much more personal. It was family and where we've all heard the, like, don't work with family, whatever. I ignored it because I thought we could do this. But I'm also the only one that can genuinely tell him to shut the fuck up. Yeah. And like, hey, listen to me. Like, I could physically do it. I couldn't do that with another employee, you yeah. know. It's different with family. So I, I, not that I ever hit my brother in a, in a business relationship. Like, like, yeah. oh, no, Jesus. no, no. But like, you know, he was the one guy that I was comfortable like, we could beat up on each other. And yeah. we could, I could, it, it, it was like this honesty that there was no, we didn't have to have that like formality of like, this is work. I could be like, dude, listen to me. You're fucking up. Like, stop. I know you're not going to take this personal. So try this approach. And it was like, cool. And it, it just, it ended up like changing our relationship. And I don't think we've ever, I don't know if we're, if close is the word, because we, maybe we parted ways because our interests were just different, but like, I think as a result like i love and respect him more than just about anybody on the planet but i think that it took like realizing that i couldn't work with him to almost respect him more for his drive to do what he's doing he's still doing you know things that i look at the way i'm like why would you do it like that but it works for him so why the hell do i have an opinion you know what i mean and so i think that like only working because for a while I, i only worked with barbers that i knew or or you know having having like Tony Mike beside me, like I know him on a personal level and I genuinely care about his, you know, his, his well-being and I, like, you know, I would rush him to the hospital if he fucking needs it. Like I, like I'm there cause he's my dude, you know? And I I know you've had conversations on this podcast as well about like a fair living wage. And I think that I, I, I believe I, I would pay Tony a hundred grand a year if I could afford it, but you have to find that balance and it's a little, it's almost harder with your friends because you want to give them more so from a business perspective it's probably pretty stupid to work with your friends mm-hmm. but from a loyalty perspective you're going to get more out of it like you know loyalty breeds loyalty so you're going to get it you you would hope anyway and you're going to get more for the two of you for your relationship for the business for all of that stuff
1: and so i think that like understanding that and really like putting that into perspective is a is a hard thing for sure yeah yeah um all right let's go into the last three questions you know the deal man yeah three questions are going to get harder as we go along okay shoot okay we're going to start easy okay historically punk or hardcore okay three best records not bands okay three best records from Toronto.
0: Can I say grid Toronto area? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I have to say Old Blood. Absolutely. No, no warning, Old Blood is I, I think my my the most. I think it's the hardest record ever out of Toronto.
1: I'll say that. I think it might be the hardest. It depends like what genre we're looking at, but it's certainly one of the hardest records out of Canada. Yeah. For Easy. sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I'm gonna say. Um fuck. I'm going to say the swarm. Just but but and we've had this conversation before and not I know Chris Callahan gets brought up on every single podcast you've done. Mm-hmm. Um I think the 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 call a fan mm-hmm. blanket, like mm-hmm. the Chris Callahan catalog from Curse to you know Left for Dead, I think it's all so important. So I can't pick a record. I have to say, just Chris Callahan takes one of those slots. And this is in no order. This is like three. There was there was a band that some friends played in. That um, do you remember King Size Braces? No. Um, they were like a Toronto Oi band, and they went on to do. A band called Angels, Saints, and Heroes, and I don't even know if they ever had a full proper release. But whatever that release was, whatever re- recording they did, I I wore the shit out of that for a long time. I really liked that. Um, I'm gonna say that. I, I I'm gonna say honorable mention to the Caruso side catalog as well because I know they've done the like, oh yeah, you know. Um, but I think those are Toronto. That's where, what I'm going. On. I'm for sure leaving something out that sucks. But well, yeah. I said only
1: three. So of course you yeah, stuff yeah yeah okay. Okay, that was good. I'll stick man. with that. That's tough. I mean, I, I, I knew No Warning had to be yeah, in there. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm um, a media dude. I love that. Well, yeah, but yeah. also, like, beyond legendary record, yep. I knew something from Chris was going to be uh-huh. in there. And Chris is on, I talk about Chris a lot on the podcast because I just think he's like a, A, like, I, I personally like Chris. Um, he's just like a, a really decent dude. He, he manages, he's managed to do something from a business perspective that I just like, yeah, that's the coolest, man. Like, good, good for you. Because he could have really gone for it, yeah. and he decided to rather than go for it. I'm like, oh no, I'm just going to do it the way I want to do it. And how many people, how many people are going to do that? He's just, the most stubborn guy I know, but, but he, I love him for it. Yeah, he's yeah. just he's just a like a really respectable dude. Yeah. Um. So I knew you were going to go there. The last one I hadn't heard of.
0: Yeah, I, uh, you know, um, Kyle Holling Drake, uh, tattooer Mike Bylick, like they're they're two tattooers from here as well, and they they've like. I think Kyle's making some music now. I don't know if Mike's doing anything right now, but, like, again, like, kind of formative years of, like, being in and around a lot of that stuff. And, like, I found hardcore through kind of punk and oi and that kind of stuff. Like, my friends growing up were all punks and skinheads, so it was all, like, like that world. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's a little more, like, I, the Warzone's, like, the perfect amalgamation of everything. So I would say they're, like, top three of all time. So I think, like... Anywhere anywhere where I could find that those sounds I think was good and that, that one really resonated with me.
1: All right, this next one is, is tough. Okay. If you had one band that you've previously toured with before that could get you to go out and leave your family and your businesses behind for six weeks to go on tour, what one band would you jump out of tour retirement for?
0: Um also loaded question because for interest of the band or interest of the friendship, to completely different categories. If Dan Smith asked me to go on tour and murder somebody every day for six weeks, I'd do it. Um, I I have this, like, I've toured with most of Dan's bands yeah. in some form, and it's always just been, I'm not getting paid, I'm just like, this is just to hang with him. Yep. Um, so anything he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unless it was some kind of weird Morrissey shit, and then I wouldn't touch it. But um anything that he wanted to do, I would do I would do. Mm-hmm. Um I I loved touring with H2O. Mm-hmm. Um I loved touring with Hazen Street. Mm-hmm. Those were that, that those were both like super fun and like, you know, great people. Um but yeah, anything Dan said I would that would of of stuff that I've toured with. Mm-hmm. If if one band if it was like my favorite band, going hey, come out for six weeks. I would say if Rancid ever asked me to come out, I would. Have, it would be like bucket list shit. Yeah, that that's respectable. Yeah,
1: like that was, was. Yeah, that would be it for sure. All right, last question. Okay. Um, God, so, those were both hardest. Okay. So you've recently had a change uh, in your life. Mm. Big change. Big change. So you've had your first kid. Yep. Um, now that you have uh, a wife that you have a great relationship with, who also has her own business. Yep and you have a son yep. how has that changed the way that you view or has it changed the way that you view how you run your business and how you lead
0: that's tough i i was of the mind my whole life that i never wanted children mm-hmm. and for i had various reasons for that state of the world um, the, the population you know there was too, too many kids who don't get homes mm-hmm. i probably think that my main reason was that back to this uh mental health stuff like this my my own self-worth was so low that I couldn't imagine seeing myself in someone else and I think that that has been a really hard thing even even my wife saying like oh he looks just like you I'm like fuck don't say that like I it, it bums me out and I and I and it's something that I need to work on like a hundred percent I'm like really struggling with that part of it um But it's like, like, I also kind of looked at everything as like, I would see risk and I would run at it. Like, I, I love the idea of like, Hey, you can try this and it might hit, but you also might lose your shirt. And I was like, cool. Let's fucking, you know, now I pump the brakes a little bit and I'm a little more, I have more to lose, you know, because I'm like, okay, this, this dude depends on me. It's one thing. Having a dog depend on you to like come home every day and to feed them and so on. But like this guy's depending on me for probably the next 18 years plus, huh. you know. So when I think of like what that means from the perspective of like taking risk in business and like, you know, I think that was also like when you, when you asked me about growth in the business and like where I see it, it's like I need to work on what I have right now as opposed to getting ahead of myself because I used to get way ahead of myself. Mm-hmm and so it's kind of given me that perspective a little a little more I think and and like I also want to just fucking spend more time at home like I like I never I love my home I've you know I'm I'm very fortunate I have this beautiful home that 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 I love going home to I feel for the first time in my life when I'm at home I'm relaxed and I'm like comfortable but I was also loved being at work and I loved like the hustle and being out and going out for dinner and all that shit now I'm just like. Okay, I need to schedule better so that I can make better use of time at work, so I can make better use of time at home. You know, yeah. yeah. So I think that's
1: that's probably the change is like not running at risk. You know, yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Awesome. All right, man. Well, as we're closing off, anything you want to say and leave with our audience, and anything you want to hype up.
0: I no, I don't think so. I think I'm you know I'm uh, I'm excited to continue to grow in both businesses, and um, I'm kind of like trying really hard to completely stay away from social media these days and like I don't know what that is. I think I'm just like I feel like it's like burning me out and making me really question a lot of stuff. So I'm I'm like kinda staying off of that. So I I mean I'd say find the businesses on social media if you're at all curious. Um, you know, in the Toronto area or whatever. But other than that, like, you know, excited to
1: watch friends grow and win and, you know,
0: do all that stuff too. So
1: Hell oh, yeah. yeah. Listen, man, this has been an awesome conversation. Thanks for the round two, uh, everyone listening. We did our first one, and, and we had an audio issue that was uh, our fault. So thanks for coming back for a second. I,
0: this was a better conversation, I think. I think I was in a, a little different place as far as stress was concerned
1: at that time. And I, I think this was a lot more,
0: uh, a lot more us, you yeah, know? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, totally, man. Awesome. All right, everyone, we'll see you in the outro. And Mike, drop the beat. So first, I just wanna say like having a conversation with someone that I consider both a friend and a business owner that inspires me is such a, it's just a cool experience. So Chris, thank you so much for being on the show, just being totally yourself and also for doing a round two. Thanks man, that's our bad. Um, I wanna add to that too, is like people being vulnerable. You know, running a business is tough And even like huge businesses, you know, you might think like they've got all these safeties, but at the end of the day, like most businesses could cease to exist relatively quickly if they had a series of like tough situations pop off. So the idea like when you own a business and you're just like some dude or some person who just came up normally through like whatever channels, it's scary. It's anxiety inducing, throwing a pandemic on top of that and then just life stuff, like having any kind of like mental health concerns or health concerns or anything like that you find yourself in a situation where it's like you've got a lot to manage just being a person in the world who's trying to make it through chris you're such a great example of someone who is just trying their best and is really willing to hold up a mirror and then to be really open and vulnerable about that and i took so much out of our conversation and for the audience listening i hope you did too you know nobody has it just right but the more that we can open up talk about things honestly, and learn from others, the better chance that we have from getting to a place where everybody can have a real shot of success. So with that, I'm gonna close off. My name is Aram Arslanian, and this is One Step Beyond. One step. One step.
2: One step.